on the way down, we were talking to my his little brother lives in Atlanta, and his youngest son is a couple years older than me. He couldn't be out here. He's kind of buddies with me. Kind of that has something to do with it. And we stopped at a convenience store, and he went in and had his radio station on, and, and Leonard Skinner was playing. And the song, Through That Smell, came on. So this cannot be real. I didn't even, I had never even heard of Leonard Skinner before. So, but I, I really appreciate their music. They, they're a really good southern rock band. But there's something about this song that kind of rings true today. Because the song was written because Larry Van Zandt, the leader of the, of the band, realized that they were heading down the wrong road. They were getting into drug and alcohol. And he kind of had a wake up moment about this. The two guys in the band didn't. And they had, they had been drinking and doing drugs and, and they had a telephone. And I think once somebody had gotten in the car that they hit. So he wrote this as a, as a way to get rid of So look, so if you need to straighten up, this is not the road we need to, to go down there. And here's, here's what's so important why it lines up with today. The poor says, do that smell, empty shut up, smell. Do that smell. The smell of death surrounds you. The smell of death surrounds you. And they were leading people by who they were. They were famous. They were doing their, their drugs and the rock and roll and the drinking. And they were leading people down this path. And I think Ronnie Van Zandt realized where they were going wrong. And realized they needed to change course. What about heaven? What are we, what fragrance are we given? What fragrance are we given? And as I was doing some research on this, I, I said, for, for God, how does aroma work? How does fragrance work? With plants, he gave me a good example. With plants that need to pollinate, they have to give off certain smells and fragrances that have a beauty about them that attract pollinating insects. So they need to pollinate, but they need the pollination also to attract people or the insects that want to eat them. Now think about that from a Christian perspective, a spiritual perspective. We have to give, disseminate a fragrance of God that is attractive, that makes God attractive, but it also opens us up to be involved with it in the country. How many have been devalued because of your faith? How many have been devalued because you want to share God and because of your faith and because of your, your, your desire to be compassionate for people? They come in and attack you and they look at you as weak and that God is not good. God is not favorable. Amen? So, the flowers, they run the risk. If they want to pollinate, if God has got everything, but they can also put out defense. They can put out fragrances that scare away the insects, but then they can run the risk of not pollinating and reproducing after their own kind. 
we not put up safeguards? Do we not push people away? Are we flying like we're in, in the midst of conversation and everything and God in, in the midst of conversation? To protect who we are? Sometimes I think we, we try to protect who we are more than the desire of God to be known. And we keep Him from being known. So our prayers will do one of two things. We'll either accept Him and God, but then this is as a capital process, or we will repel others from God, put up the safeguards, and the risk of not even being seen. But here, I'm only talking about those things, those things that we do, that we can do, to repel people from God. Okay? Everybody with me? All right. Presenting a holier-than-it right attitude. Holier than now attitude. They try to raise their nose up to people and look at the sin in you. Well, I'm going to tell you, people don't care how holy you are. They really don't. I preached a message a few months ago. They don't care that you tithe. They don't care that you go to church. They don't care where you go to church. They don't care that you pray for them. Really don't. And even bold enough to say that God doesn't care what you do. But He does care about why you do. That's more important than the why. So all you need to go back to this. Yeah, they don't care about our holiness, but neither does God. That's our holiness. What God desires for us to have is to be clothed in His righteousness and His holiness. Present him instead of us. Amen? Here's another one. Saying that we love God, but not showing love toward others. That goes back to being in church one minute and going out of church and, and not having compassion on somebody the next minute. Being nasty to the person at the restaurant that we're going to go to after church. Or leaving a bad tip at the restaurant that we go to after church. I've heard it said from servers that, that Christians at the church are the worst people. And we don't, need to, we don't need to show that. We need to show that God is real. God is more than enough. God is the one that provides our needs, and we're going to. And that's having a lack of compassion will keep people from wanting to see God. What about secret sin? We need to know too that there are no secrets with God. And most of the time when we live in secret sin, most people know. We may believe in our hearts that our sin is a secret, but no one else knows that our sins are what we tell them. I was struggling one time with, with something, and I would go several years without struggling, and all of a sudden, 
temptation would come up and I would just shut right back in. And then I'd repent and I'd go several years without it and then temptation would come up and I would just back in. And I finally asked God, why am I struggling with this? Why am I not able to overcome this sin in my life? Because first of all, you're not truly subjecting yourself to my authority. And he also says you're not subjecting yourself to the authority of God's man. I have become a catalyst for a man in my life and talk through this and walk through this and open up and confess the struggle to another man before I would ever come, overcome this. Do the temptation still rise? Absolutely. The, the desire to not do this thing anymore? A lot? Absolutely. I no longer want to do the things that most of us stand against to stay in my family. To stay in my church. To stay in my wife and family. The important thing in sin it's so easy for us to see sin in other people's lives and we rebuke it. We, we, we want to look down on it and snub our nose at it because it's sin in your life without the desire to rebuke sin in your hand. What about open sin? Out of complete dis- disregard for the commandment of God, we can hide piper to others and leave them in the hand. If we openly make sin glamorous, we're only fooling ourselves as we think. My going to church, my tithing, my time of prayer, and Bible study is, is going to help me get to heaven. It's only a repentant heart that, that opens heartedly to God's desire. Accepting that sacrifice and shunning that sin in your own life. It's going to be the only way that we can walk right before God and right before our people. We've got secret sin, we've got open sin. And here's what I heard last week uh, a pastor from Cedar Hill, Texas, Pastor Robert Missouri. He was doing a liberty conversation and saw this video on Facebook and thought, wow, this really fits with, with where I want to go. And that's the sense he told. He talked about the comparison game in his own life and the struggle that he had with it. And here are some of the key points that he had. And I'm just paraphrasing. God told him, he said, there's a way of intimidation that will compare ourselves to what others have, what others do, the calling of others, I could compare myself to Pastor Michael Hill. He's got a lot of church and, and he preaches so well and he has reason to the people really well and his wife's family. And, and they, just, they just look and have it all. But I don't know the struggle that I have. We can't compare ourselves with other people because we don't know where they are. We see the appearance of things, but we don't see behind the scenes. See, I first started playing the drums, and, and my classmates will, will testify. I didn't play instruments in school. I actually started playing drums when I was in elementary school. 
But for the first few years, it was a training. It was, it was horrible. I had a blue fire come and help keep me in calm. And I was the, the opposite drummer that was a really good drummer there. He could play several instruments. And all three times he was there, uh, he had to work. I played the drums and, and I had to keep on the drums. And he was awesome. He That bad. And I was so self-conscious of comparing my abilities to other drummers. One, I was comparing what I was at to where they were. I was not helping myself at all. But there was a time I played in, in a church setting and playing in a room. And the keyboard player, or a keyboard player, worship leader, her husband was a phenomenal he wasn't even there. Just her presence of knowing that her husband was a woman, I was thinking, this woman's going to go back and tell him, tell her husband how bad of a woman they had at the church. Is that crazy? Is that insane to do that? But we do them all the time. They may be talking inside the brand new ticket truck that they're like, maybe you need it. We have no business comparing ourselves to anything with anybody else. Because when we stand before God, a holy, righteous God, I'm not going to have something like the time of this. But God, you are the much better preacher than me. Or my own pastor. Or another drummer or another. I'm going to stand before God alone and have to explain to Him what I do to these people in here. Everything in outside of that is hogwash. Everything outside of giving God the glory and drawing people to Him is nonsense and nonsense. 
something he said, Robert, Pastor Robert, that he said is really, really telling. He said, comparison breeds a stupid joke. See, when we start comparing ourselves to other people, those are all other ministries. We need to start to understand that. Whether they're saved or not, whether they have much or little, we need to compare ourselves. We have to know that we compare ourselves to what people don't want to. Don't you think it works? So we can have peace and jealousy and control and power. God showed him a few things. Don't compare how others run your way. Stop playing the comparison game. And he said, rest in the fact that I have given you the way for grace to run your way. The Lord may give you the same fragrance, the same gift of the Holy Spirit, the same love of the Lord, and the same passion as someone else, but only you will distinct the fragrance, His fragrance, that He designed for you. The Lord may give you the same fragrance, that is, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the same level of anointing, the same passion as someone else, but only you will distinct the fragrance, His fragrance, that He has designed for you. Basically, everything in our lives that we do out of our own strength, out of our own wisdom, out of our own authority, and fully our own purpose is powered by the Spirit of God in our lives. Some people may be fooled by the Spirit of God in which we pray, but it's what He thinks about. But eventually, eventually, that Spirit of God is even going to start trembling again. Try to fool people with who we are, with what we have, with what we do, and inside we're a mess. We're trying to conjure up out of our own selves greatness when God is the God of greatness. God is the one that dispenses His greatness for His glory. Amen. But He doesn't dispense greatness in any of us for us to be great. But it's for us to remain humble and him to be great. Amen. So, how do we dispense God's presence? It's pretty simple. The loop is nowhere near as long. You have to live right before God, man. It's being clothed in his righteousness. Being an example of right faith, revealing God with a humble heart, being a true disciple, and abstaining from worldly love. But it all boils down to two things. And I preach about this a lot. I really do. The two things that we can do the most have the most impact, the most effect in reaching people for God. And very simple. And Jesus was approached. What is the greatest commandment? 
one of the great commandments. One of all the Ten Commandments that I can do is greater than anything else. And most of you are going to go to the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, the Lord, God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, your neighbor, and your sister. We want to draw people to God. We need to draw them with the love that we have for Him. That love being real before God. Because we can't have a love that appears real before God that's not real when we draw people to God. Did you get that? We can't have a love that appears real before God that's not real. We're, we're, again, that's a filthy right, and we may be trying to pull people to Look how good I am. Look how much I love God. I'm tithing 12%. I don't ever miss a church day. Look how much I love God. Because how much we love God will be experienced. Only the true love to God will only be experienced in how much we love God. Because he said, if you can't love God, you can't love any people. And you can't say that I love my brother and hate him. The loop for the drawing people to God is very cool, but there's a whole lot of things we can do. Jesus said more about heaven than he The song is a warning. There's a whole lot that can send you to heaven. Only a few things that Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. I'm kind of like a married up to that other set of verses in, in chapter 2. It says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling himself. Or to the world, the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though we were pleading through it, who God is pleading through us, and for you on Christ's behalf, he is reconciled to God, for he made him to be no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So, my question is this I'm getting ready to close. My question is this more familiar with the name Mary. Happy to have you here. It's not because of the glow that I put on the floor, any kind of glow that I could have put on. Nothing in power that I can portray the kingdom of God, the love of God for other people. Because even some people this morning can draw people away. Even my allergies are just here. You can draw people away. So this is going to be my last thought. I saw a story on Facebook yesterday, and I thought, this is, this is a good, pretty closing. 
through the middle. Because the cross is God's evidence of His love toward us. And it made me think about this for a minute. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him be my own self, take up the cross and follow Me. So what's my point? If the cross is God's evidence of His love toward us, we're called to take up the cross. Yes, it is to deny ourselves. It is to put our sin upon that cross that He bore for us. I hope that you're leaving your thoughts where I'm leaving. If we're to take up the cross, you don't remember anything else from the day. Remember this one thing. If we take up the cross of Christ, it must be God's will for us. When we take up the cross of Christ, we've got to reveal the evidence of God's love. Reveal the evidence of God's love by carrying the cross. There's a whole lot of people that need to see us carrying that cross of Christ. Not that we're the ones going to be nailed up on the cross and taking on their sins. There's a time that we need to absorb those sins so God forgive us and let us forgive And say a prayer for us and, and, and ask God to forgive Himself in a mighty way in our lives. But when we take up the cross, God be with the sole purpose. When we take on anything that's the kingdom of God, it's got to be with the sole purpose. But God, first of all, I want to give you glory in my life. When, when temptation comes my way, I'm going to keep it on that cross. Because I don't want to bear that. It's not mine to bear. It's not mine to bear. Relationships. See, God is God of relationships. Evident by the grace of God. God is a God of relationship. And if we can't take up the cross and not be in the world so easily offended by the things around us, we'll almost be offended that He had to take the sins of all of us on the cross. That's what ought to offend us. It's the fact that Jesus had to come down here and die on the cross with the child and rescue. Before him. The only offense is to a point because without him, all of you lost his own moment. I have to do not so offensively, not to carry my sins, but so grateful that he did. The things in your mind, put in your heart today. 
Then I'm going to take up the cross of Christ. I'm going to take up the cross of Christ and give my life to it. And then I'm going to be offended by the things of the Lord. And we can do that. Or we can take up the cross and deny ourselves and follow after Him and reveal Him. Oh, just give me a double cheeseburger, Amelia. Amelia, please. He didn't hand me a cup, but maybe he'll give me a cup in my mouth. Order 271. She hands me about it. I think I have a cup of that. She didn't hand me enough of Amelia. But I, it's okay. I do it. I do it with an attitude. Being good with an attitude does not help the cause of Christ. What I should have done, that's fine. You guys are busy. I should go. I should still be able to go to the world. I'm trying to get better at that. I really am. God is doing a good thing in my life. But my first reaction is a lot of our first reactions. I'm good. One day I started thanking God for my health. It didn't taste any better than that. Was was it an attitude in there? Do really? I'm I'm talking about I'm doing really. When we take up the cross, that's even the modern self. The ability of getting even or being angry, even in those kinds of situations. We have a responsibility. It's a big responsibility. It's a hard responsibility. But it is not ever said it would be easy. We have a big responsibility to deny ourselves, even in the moment that aggravates and we say, it's okay, I'm not You have no idea the target we have. Anybody else can feel the target sometimes? Maybe. You just scare us by my pastor. He's great man of God. Awesome man of God. He'll go up to somebody and say, You have a gift. I'll do it this way. Please don't think it's weird. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Will.
Thank you. 